Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is Lisa Neal Graves. Lisa has an impressive and diverse background that spans Fortune 50 tech companies, startups, government, and even running for office herself here in Colorado not too long ago. She has extensive international experience, and today she even shares a great story of a trip to China that taught her her biggest lesson. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us today. Great. Thanks so much for having me. You've had a, a really interesting and diverse background. I was just reviewing it again before we jumped on today to talk. I don't even know where to start, but would love to hear maybe starting from what you're up to today and some of those experiences that, that led to this point. Yeah. So I am taking on interesting projects these days. So I'm working with Auraria Campus, their higher education center. They are looking to figure out what should a public safety program look like on campus. So I'm working with them to create what we have dubbed a community-influenced public safety program, which really means that I'm engaging with the campus students, faculty, and staff to try to figure out how do we leverage a combination of technology, you know, different academic programs, different services, et cetera, to really define what should public safety look like on a campus that is an inner city campus of 45,000 students and roughly about 10,000 faculty and staff, right? So a small city within the city of Denver. So, And I did that work primarily because it sort of, if you think about all of the things that I've done, it is a culmination of bringing all of those ideas together. And so I love the idea of doing something different, something that hasn't been done before. So if you look at my resume, it looks like I am all over the map. It looks like I might even have ADD. I don't. <laughs> There's a, a rational basis for all of it, and it does come together at some point. Well, and I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously, you've got a great background in, in tech, working with for many, many years at, at Intel and then uh, locally in Colorado with, with Zayo. I'd love to hear a little bit about, about that experience, particularly, you know, as you moved to Colorado and working for Zayo and what that experience was like. Obviously, that, that company was really a rocket ship. Yeah, you know, I actually started my career here in Colorado, right? So I started with Bell Labs out at 120th and Pecos when... Bell Labs was Bell Labs. It doesn't exist in the same way anymore. So it was really coming back home. And I had, I think to lead up to how I got to Zeo is to really say, I really started my career as a computer scientist, right? That, that ultimately decided that I needed to do program management, you know, project management and program management and, and then products management. Um, and mostly because when you're working as an engineer, there are things that you identify as being incredibly cool that if somebody isn't an engineer and they're trying to market it, they don't quite get what it is that you're trying to deliver. So I did a lot of work to try to transition into how do I get people to understand what this thing can really do? So I was doing new product introduction a lot. 
And that led to me arguing a lot with our lawyers. And at one point, I was running um, the application service provider business for Unisys and just couldn't get our lawyers to help me understand how to frame an agreement that would make sense for the users of our services. So I called my husband up and said, hey, sweetie, I'm going to quit my job today. I'm going to go buy some LSAT books, study to take the LSAT and go to law school. (laughs) So my husband is um, incredibly Zen-like and pretty, okay, if that's what you want to do kind of guy. So ultimately I did. I went to law school and out of law school, I went directly in-house. So I went in-house to Intel and was a lawyer for like five years because the general counsel at the time said, you know, Lisa, I don't understand what you're doing here, but I got it. (laughs) This is what you want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to humor you on this one. Right. And so I did a lot of special projects and was the lawyer that I wanted to have when I wasn't a lawyer. And then we did a few things, went to China. And then when I came back, I ran our technology strategic long range planning. And it was sort of getting back to where I really was but I wanted to come back home because I was in Portland. So you, you understand the difference in weather and appreciate why I'd want to come back to 300 days of sunshine as opposed to six days of sunshine. But I, I returned home. And when I was returning home, I was trying to figure out what could I do that would make sense. And Zayo, I, while I had run sort of a cloud business before, I hadn't run a cloud business that grew through acquisitions. And so I joined Zayo to run the cloud business because it was growing through acquisitions, which really meant that you take this, you know, amalgamation of stuff and try to figure out how do you create a business that makes sense out of all of it? And how do you create, you know, sort of a common infrastructure that you can offer and figure out a strategy for having some sort of buying power because you can't, everything can't be bespoke, right? And Um, We zoned in on the core areas that we thought we could win in, which was those areas that had um, regulatory requirements like healthcare and finance. And those were areas that we could compete really heavily in because we had fiber um, infrastructure. And so this was just an extension of our customers' fiber. So, yeah, that became the rational basis for why I wanted to join Zayo. And I learned a tremendous amount um, working for Zayo. Not, not only was it a, a rocket ship in terms of, you know, how fast it grew, but it was so diverse in terms of the acquisitions and, you know, the culture of those acquisitions that it gave you an all-in-one experience of everything you ever thought you would learn in business school. You learned it right there in Zayo. So. So Lisa, you have a really unique perspective having been in Colorado quite a few years ago, left for a while, and then came back and and seen what's going on now. I'd love to get your perspective on how you've seen the tech ecosystem in Colorado evolve over the past 5, 10, or even 20 years and what you're excited about here now. So growing up in Colorado in tech, because that's kind of how I see it, everybody kind of knew everybody, right? So you literally knew almost all the folks that did the same kind of work that you did and any sort of adjacency. So you knew folks. And Colorado was always sort of a large landmass, small populations kind of place to live. 
And I think the tech sector was very much like that, large landmass, but very small population. So you kind of knew everybody. When I came back, it had catapulted. I mean, it was just so broad and there was so much, but I still found that there was still very, there's still a very few people that are in the space and you tend to know each other either through direct contact, meaning you've worked with them directly, or they were a customer of yours. So you had that relationship or they were, you know, one of your suppliers. And so you had that relationship. But what I like about Colorado that I didn't see, so I lived on the East Coast. So I lived in New Jersey and worked in New York and I lived in Portland and did back and forth between Portland and California and Arizona. What I like about Colorado that I didn't see there is that Colorado, we still are a community, right? We still do a lot to help sort of fortify that tech sector stack. We do things like, you know, I'm, I'm a bin advisor, right? So we volunteer our time to help small companies grow which isn't, that's not normal, right? There is an expectation that that would be a paid for service anyplace else. But here, because we believe that there is enough to go around, um, we are, we, we're pretty excited about, you know, how do we help this company grow? Because it may lead to a, a new sort of area of growth potential, right? From a, a tech sector perspective. So I'm, I just love the idea that we don't, you know, sort of hoard information and resources. We actually share them so that Colorado still is that, you know, sort of community oriented area to grow and to live. And and it's a great place to, in many ways, it's a great place to raise kids. It's a great place to grow a business. Lisa, that's one of the things that has struck me as being, I think, the most unique and special about this ecosystem, having moved here two and a half years ago, is is whether I've heard people describe it as is give first or sort of a rising tide lifts, lifts all boats, but it really does seem special of how willing to help anyone in the ecosystem without expecting anything in return uh, the people are here. And I think that that is both uh, personally, a really enjoyable place to be and something I love about it. But I think it's also going to be uh, one of the unique things that, that really helps the ecosystem grow faster than any other ecosystem, right? Because interesting companies and great ideas happen when people collaborate. And so I'm really excited about exactly the characteristic of, of Colorado that you just highlighted. Yeah, it's, um, it is definitely unusual when you go outside of Colorado. And in fact, it was really weird for me um, in places like New York and New Jersey because I was offering to help, right? And folks were like, well, what is it that you want in exchange? And so I just, I find Colorado really is home because it is, notwithstanding all of its idiosyncrasies that exist, it still is a great place where people feel like it's a community and we want to operate as such. So. What's a company in Colorado Tech that, that you're excited about? Ever since you said that, I've been sort of thinking through, well, what are those companies? Uh, and I have to admit that there there are more support organizations than there are definitive businesses, if that makes sense. And so there's a good friend of mine who 
has started a company called Sister Biz, right? And her whole focus was to create an ecosystem to support Black women that are going into businesses. And it turns out that she ends up supporting Black women that are trying to do tech businesses in some cases, right? And then there's a another group that has really been creating sort of a an ecosystem for folks to kind of get together and share some of the learnings that they're having, but it's being led by a woman named Zanetta Kelsey. Um, And so when I think about the work that she's doing and, and the, the work the sister biz is doing, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that they're making space for diversity to enter into markets that would potentially be somewhat difficult any place else, but Colorado. Right. You know, it's it's helping people find footage and finding ground and space there. The great thing there is there's actually some initiatives underway, both from the city and the state. There's some uh, pools of capital that are being figured out how to be deployed right now, but but towards exactly this this purpose. So really exciting. Another aspect of the state to be proud of. Yeah. And I, I was um, talking to another friend of mine, another friend of mine who serves as a bin advisor and he, along with a couple of other folks, started a Buff Ventures Fund, and he wanted to have a conversation about what does it mean to, you know, sort of serve as a venture capitalist that supports organizations of color, not as a sort of exception, but more as a, what is it that we need to do to show up that makes it like normal, right? That this isn't something that we have to do exceptionally or explicitly, but that you feel like you belong and you feel like you can contribute and support and participate in the same way that anybody else that we would support with this venture fund. And I love that idea. I love the thinking about that because that really sort of takes off the table this issue of whether or not you can participate based on how you appear or what you look like. They're helping you to find ways to make connections So that even if you didn't have those connections before, you now have access to the same kinds of connections that would allow you to be as successful as anybody else. Good. So Lisa, let's jump into why we're we're here. You've had an amazing career and done a lot of really interesting different roles, and I'm sure you've learned a bunch of different lessons uh, along the way. But we'd love to hear what the biggest lesson is that you've learned and how you learned it. Yeah, you know... The biggest lesson that I learned was I needed to, to not limit myself personally, if that makes sense. Right. So I, I'm not a, a, a very boisterous person, right? You'll, you'll never see me talking about all the things that I've done or all the things I've accomplished. Um, but I am pretty intense, right? If there's something that I think needs to be done, I am figuring it out and, and working really hard to push to make it happen. Um, we lived in China for, I lived there for three years. My husband was there an extra year after I left. But I, I remember going to China and thinking, this is not the U.S. And as much as we uh, complain and have concerns about, you know, acceptance and diversity acceptance here, I really went there with my own bias saying, okay, I'm not going to necessarily be able to do some of the things that I can do in the U.S. So I'm going to have to take the knowledge that I have and engage in my team and help them understand how to do things. 
And so the, the, this sort of manifested itself was we were in a meeting. This was um, a sales call that we were doing. We were in this meeting and I had prepared the team to answer just about every call, every question that would be asked, except for the one question I never in a, ma- a million years thought we would get to. But we got to this question. And so I said, now the, the meeting was about, at this point, it was about an hour and 15 minutes and it was going on strong and it was in Mandarin. And I knew enough Mandarin to be dangerous, but I could follow a lot of the conversation. I just couldn't speak it because I just couldn't speak it, right? Um, and I remember saying to the gentleman when we got to that point, I said, you know, in my horrible Mandarin, can I take my team out just for a second? We just need to regroup on this issue. And the guy said, we speak English. And it took the wind out of my sail because I didn't have a comeback for that. Right? It was like, okay. And he says, speak. You speak. You you say what you were going to get them to say. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, let's do it, right? So we um, completed the session and we ended up with a much better deal than I even thought we were going to get. But on the way out, I asked my team member, what was that all about? <laughs> you guys just, that was a meeting that was an hour and 15 minutes in Mandarin. But when I asked this one question about taking you guys out, all of a sudden we could now have the meeting in English. And he says, can I be honest with you? And I said, please, please, please. And he said, listen, you are a black woman from America. If they sent you here, you must know more than God himself. So he wanted to hear from you because you had sat in that meeting and you hadn't said anything the entire meeting. So they assumed well, why is she here? And when you had an opportunity and you spoke, they were so impressed. They were like, okay, whatever you ask for, we will give you. And I thought, huh, all of this time, I wonder if that's the case in the States. I wonder if I am literally taking myself out of the running or taking myself out of talking myself out of opportunities because I have an assumption about what might be acceptable or how people might respond. And so that became a lesson, not that I still go out saying, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I don't do that, but it was a really great lesson in understanding that you might place way more constraints on yourself than anybody else does and to not, right, to stop it. And that, you know, it, it I think we use this word, way too much, but it was so freeing. Right? I became a completely different person in how I saw the world, how I, I shared ideas, the way that I went about, you know, sort of talking to people about the ways we should do things. And I remember even, you know, when I came back and I um, had an opportunity to run the technology strategic long range planning for Intel, I remember even being willing to bet the CEO that I could change his mind on something, which never in a, a bazillion years <laughs> would I have been able to, you know, mentally garner up enough courage to say that to a CEO who I knew was incredibly busy and didn't have the cycles, right, to worry about my little bet. And it turned out it was a great bet <laughs> and I won. But, but, you know, it's just getting out of my own way to do some of the things that I think are most important 
Um, and it, it really did set a precedence for being able to do things that I normally, like I ran for office, who in a million years would ever run for office, given my background and given my personality and disposition, because I am an introvert. Most people don't necessarily see that, but I'm an introvert and to run for office is so counter to that perspective that it was really led by having had that one call, that one meeting in China um, and late in my career. And I remember saying, I really wish that I had had that experience when I was in my 20s <laughs> because Lord only knows where I would have been um, in terms of taking risk and pushing past what I thought were barriers that weren't really barriers at all. So Lisa, it sounds like learning that lesson, even though you learned it a little later in your career, was really impactful to your career and, and other decisions you made. Are there any tactical tips you have for, for other people who might be in a similar place who, or who haven't learned that lesson of, of things you can do to get to the place you got to, to, to you know, have those constraints taken off of you? Yeah, I think that my recommendation is if you think it, and I always said this, but I didn't act on it, right? If you think it, then it's possible that it can be done, right? And that you should try to figure out who you can garner, you know, some support from if you need it to make it so. But you don't necessarily always have to do that going out. You could literally, if you think it, figure out what it is that you have to do in order to make it so and get started. Right. And really, for all intents and purposes, the, the moral of my story was to get out of your own way. Don't stop yourself from doing something that could be a really good thing just because you think somebody else feels some sort of way. You can't worry about what other people's thoughts are. You just have to make sure that what you're doing is in the best interest of the whole. You don't want to do something that's very self-motivating and self-supporting. but Focus on what does it mean to do this thing that you're saying that you want to do and go for it, right? Don't, don't hold back. I remember really just holding back even on comments and ideas and saying things under my breath that somebody next to me might have heard and they would say it and folks would say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And, and I'd be thinking to myself, yeah, it was great when I said it, too, but I didn't say it loud enough, right? So it's. How do you make sure that you just move out of your own head and just take the risk? It's an awesome lesson, right? And so, something that's super hard, particularly to, I think, implement early in your career before you've, you've proven it when you really have so many of those self-doubts. I mean, we all have those self-doubts forever, but you have so many more early in your career. But I think it's, it's awesome advice to give even to the you know, people starting out. Absolutely. And you, you, the thing about tech is everything's possible, right? I can remember we were having a debate about, and this, this will age me, so you'll have a little bit of perspective, but we were having a debate about how quickly we could roll out voice over IP and make it work as a tail end hop off, you know, from a, a phone call to the internet or vice versa. And I remember saying, well, if we can't talk yet, how about texting, right? How, why can't we just do this, this chat thing? We didn't call it chat. It was, it was sort of this asynchronous email, but fast, right? And I remember some of my colleagues saying, oh, that's crazy. Nobody's ever going to want to do that. 
And I was talking about doing that with, you know, this is customer relationship management. So we're talking about creating an online web presence. This is before they had online stores, but creating an online web presence where you could communicate with some support structure, right, using chat. And I think about that now, and I, I really had to push hard to get them to actually allow us to move forward with that. And when I think about it now, it's like motherhood and apple pie. Nobody ever even debates whether or not that was a good thing to do or the right thing to do. But, you know, in the, the late 80s, <laughs> nobody, nobody really even understood the Internet, much less understanding how to use a chat function. So, you know, I think that those are all things that tech just allows for pushing the envelope in ways that if you were cooking, you probably wouldn't do. hundred <laughs> percent agree. And that's why, why we love this world. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Thank you so much. Fantastic lesson. Thanks for all that you do and, and the work you're doing in the community currently and look forward to seeing what you uh, continue to do down the road. Thanks again for taking the time with us. 